Hi, welcome to GNWP's podcasts. Um, I'm here at the University of Winnipeg with certain uh, global college students, uh, which participated in the Commission on the Status of Women's 60th session last week. Uh, my name is Katrina Leclerc. I am a research and advocacy intern at the Global Network of Women Peacebuilders. And now I will uh, let the students introduce themselves before we start off with our feedbacks on CSW and GNWP's involvement. My name is Michaela Crichton. I'm a student at the University of Winnipeg in Canada. My majors include both human rights and theatre, as well as a minor in conflict resolution studies, and I'm in my fourth year. Uh, my name is Madison Zinkovich. Uh, I am at the University of Winnipeg in Canada. I'm in my third year of studies, um, studying human rights and conflict resolution. My name is David Fundler. I'm a student at the University of Winnipeg in Canada. I am in human rights and political science, and I am in my fourth year. Great. So, uh, does anyone want to start off by explaining what happened last week? In January, we had the opportunity given to us by our professor, uh, who is Dr. Mary Lou McFedrin. She gave us the opportunity for those of us who are interested to go to the Commission on the Status of Women and the ability to work as rapporteurs as well as volunteer with different NGOs. We ended up getting sponsored by the World Federalist Movement to be there. And last week it was a whirlwind of different conferences as well as working on different sessions, taking photography and doing rapporteuring as well as taking in some of the sites, but mostly working in and around the UN and getting to know some people who are doing the work that we would like to do in the future. Great, thank you, Michaela. Um, anything else to add from um, Madison or David? No, I think she was spot on. That's great. Um, so now I would just like to know, um, what were your expectations before you got to New York, before you got to the CSW? What were you thinking it was going to look like? What were you looking forward to? What were you envisioning as to what the trip would look like? Personally, uh, not I was not looking for not looking for for anything. But uh, there were a few people who were there from many countries with their NGOs, and they were expecting a result from last year's CSW, um, the document that was supposed to be finished by the UN Women and UN. Mm -hmm. And that was that was incomplete. So that question came out a lot. And also, there were lots of uh, conversation around uh, governments are now focused on SDGs, so therefore they're ignoring um, the recommendations that were made last year. So now everyone is um, focusing on uh, the SDGs and moving on. So I think that one of the ladies who pointed out to me when our private conversation said um, these events you, make, you can make all the recommendations but nothing will get done either way because last year's document they promised that it was, it was going that it was supposed to come out in January and that did not happen so now we're back at another CSW um, trying to recommit ourselves to, to to SDGs and especially SDG 5 and and only because governments are now focused on it, and this is where they get their stars, so therefore we have to work with them and try to get all the fundings out of them mm -hmm. as much as possible. For sure. Thank you, David. Uh, ladies, anything that you had uh, expected prior to your arrival? 
Uh, well, for me, um, I was definitely interested in the youth aspect of the conference. Um, and so to have more youth involved at the, many of the panels that I attended uh, was very interesting. And then um, to have youth panelists um, contributing yourself um, being one of them was very interesting and um, to see that different perspective. So that was what I was looking forward to and I definitely received. So Great. Thank you, Maddie. It just exceeded all my expectations. I know that the group that I mostly spent my time with had a lot of plans of other things we were going to do in New York and everything just got swept up into CSW and being able to be a part of these conversations and hearing different minds speak on different sides of an issue was um, everything I guess I could have asked for as well as just the absolute support from from the CSO and NGO community towards young people, towards us being involved and engaged in getting more people out uh, and how welcomed we were was something I was not expecting. Great, thank you, Michaela. So now to go into the youth peace and security agenda because we are um, for youth around the table right now and we have gone to CSW um, and heard a lot about the YP, uh, YPS agenda, the new 2250 resolution. Um, what were your impressions with regards to that uh, during CSW? What, what do you think um, is the most important for youth regarding sustainable peace building and these processes? What did you take out of that? There was a few moments in which I, I fluctuate to each side of kind of how I felt in regards to being a youth at CSW and youth involvement. Moments like at the youth panel uh, and where there was more youth in the room, I felt like we were actually having discussion on how we can, as youth, in relation to also 1325, uh, as women, um, bring together these two resolutions to try and start some sustainable peace building. However, um, there was entire conferences that I attended and that I was working at that I also felt that there was a general sense in the room that youth were not very welcome in the room um, and just a lot of looks and kind of questions as to why we were there. That was a little strange that we were talking about youth building, but yet it was oftentimes not youth talking about how youth can contribute to peace building. I heard throughout um, certain panels, not necessarily about youth, but about women, peace and security too, that it, it was kind of a checklist approach, whereas you see that one of the panelists is a youth and the other three or four are um, elder or older people, and so that they had gained that access for youth because they had that one individual representing the whole mass population for youth. And so I found that really interesting because um, just saying that it's a checklist approach kind of re resonated with me, saying, like, yes, we have them there, but they're just there because we have to have them there. Um, so do you have any thoughts or anything to add on to what Michaela was saying? We were invited to a young, what was it, young? Young professionals. Young professionals um, yes. event. And there was a group of us that went. And we were running a couple minutes behind, and we walked into the building, we go up, and the person checking us in was like, oh, you're not on the list. Well, we had been invited by the organizer, mm -hmm. um, and then they were going to give us a phone number so we could call in and listen, which is great. But then we just 
decided to go to another event and as we left another student said it's funny how we're told to leave a young professionals event when the room is full of older men and women mm-hmm. and so yeah, that was um, troubling because we'd been invited and weren't allowed in so yeah majority of the room was people definitely over the age of 35 yeah rather than any what I would call young professionals. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and that's something I find that we see often in debates. Same thing for women again. Uh, they'll say uh, it's a women's event or events regarding women's rights, and then three quarters of the room there are men. Um, I think that's always a problem, but how do you think that we can fix that? How can we address that situation? Bigger spaces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, we want you want the. Um, whether it's women, peace and security, so having men engaged, or whether it's youth and peace building, so having uh, the older generation engaged, you want people from all across the world engaged on these issues. But if we're excluding the people that these issues are talking about, it's kind of that uh, not about us without us idea. And so it, they're talking about us without us. And it's very difficult to be saying, well, youth should be coming to the table. I heard one youth panelist say that youth should be coming, approaching uh, the UN and CSOs to bring their voices to the table, but it's very difficult to get at that table For sure. if we're not invited and not allowed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Anything else to add? We need to acknowledge that youth are, today's generation of youth are the largest in the world, and majority of them um, mostly in areas where there's where there's armed conflict, and um, this document 2250 um, is an opportunity for not only a greater protection of youth, but for youth participation in peace processes around um, the world and in many armed conflict countries. For sure, that's so. That's so true. Maddie, do you have anything else you'd like to add? No, I agree with both. Great, thank you. <laughs> um, so now regarding the Women, Peace and Security Agenda, uh, Security Council Resolution 1325, which we celebrated last October, um, and in fact some of you and almost all of you here, actually, yeah, all of you here, <laughs> came to um, the prelude in October where we preparing to celebrate for the 15th anniversary. Um, I was just wondering and curious as to what you took out of these conferences regarding uh, Women, Peace, and Security, and what was most resonant for you? Um, well, for me, there was one specific panel that talked about um, was when women lead, sustainable development happens, and it's something I've been studying a lot, um, and it was uh, definitely like one of my favorite panels, because it actually talked about like women in leadership and how it's very lacking. In the end, it still doesn't bring a solution to having a lack of women in leadership roles. Um, so, I mean, I took that out of the conference and want to apply that to everyday life and like getting more women involved in like politics, for example. And but it's still it doesn't provide a solution. And I guess that's something that we need to work towards. Um, just like Trudeau said, like when you ask a woman to run, um, they ask why, and so. Yeah, it's definitely something I took out of the conference, and I hope that we can work towards. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you brought up uh, Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, and the th- quote about whenever he asked men to run, they would say, okay, yeah. what do I have to do? Let, 
let me sign up. When do I start? Yeah. When do I start? And then when women are asked, they say exactly that. Why or, or why mm -hmm. me? So I think that's that kind of shows the huge yeah. divide that there that there is there. Uh, Michaela or David, what else did you take out of uh, CSW events uh, regarding YPS? I meant WPS. One one thing that I, that I took out um, on on the consultation day was the the group that I was with paid more attention towards SDG five rather than talking about um, WPS. And also another conversation that came about was. Um, there were little to no conversation in with WPS about prevention and participation. So rather, it was more focused towards women and security rather than, and the peace part of it was ignored in many parts of the world. So few women who came from Trinidad and Tobago had that to say at the consultation day um, breakout session um, that the peace part uh, part of the WPS is ignored mm -hmm. and her country focuses more on women and security rather than. A participation in peace. So she was asking with this um, SDG 5 gen, um, gender equality goal, uh, what can we do, can, can we come up with a, a workable framework that she can take back home that would work better because obviously the BPS didn't really work much because there are less women participating but instead the government is more engaged in um, the security which is protection of mm -hmm. women and not involving them in all levels of government. For sure. Michaela? The thing that I heard a lot about was financing and the financial aspect of getting the even uh, national action plans enforced and held accountable to it's great that the many states now have adopted national action plans around 1325, but they have not had, they don't have the accountability measures in place. Mm -hmm. um, and the lack of funding to CSOs and NGOs to be able to hold these systems in place was a huge one. The other aspect was, again, uh, repeating what's been said, that women being a involved in the peacemaking process. It's still very much that women are talked about as um, victims of violence, not as a solution to the violent conflict. And we see it again and again and again, where women are the leaders of the peacemaking movements in country after country, but yet, and they're the grassroots, but when we get to the higher level negotiating tables, when women are excluded, where women are excluded, uh, I believe that Syria, there was no women at the negotiation table, and yet that's 15 years after 1325 has happened. The general dialogue was around the lack of implementation, again, that's the peace-making part, and then how do we financially allow that women can get to past all the barriers that are currently in place for them to be in the, at the peacemaking tables. Yeah. No, that's a really important point. The difference between theory and practice which is always the problem in our field in human rights because we have all these great theories but it's very difficult to implement and keep them accountable and people accountable for these theories because it takes time it takes resources and not everyone can or is able to put in these the time and resources and financing is of course a huge problem yeah. and all over the place and uh, another thing too that came up in one of my sessions was that um, um these NGOs at CSW put too much emphasis on government, but 
they should be focusing more on private sectors as well. As, uh, and someone brought up a country who uh, the government said that they will leave employment and the economy to the private sector because that's where all the money is. So the government will no longer be responsible for that. So I think we also need to be inviting and putting more emphasis on and more responsibility towards private sectors in all in all of the countries for, for funding. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. And not just government. Yeah, we often oh, forget yeah. about that. Yeah, That's so true. Yeah. yeah. And also, um, there were there some issues that were brought up about disabled this disabled people ignored in many of these events as well. Um, so pretty much my session was about criticizing, not giving a solution. No one made a recommendation about it. They just it that all, a lot of the women there were just there to talk about their past experience and how mm -hmm. nothing has been done, and yet we keep, keep coming back to recommit to something. So someone brought up um, the issues with disabled people being mentioned in many of these events, and um, we need to take them into consideration as well. Mm -hmm, for sure, that's very true. Um, thank you. Uh, now we're going to move on. We're going to move on to your kind of more of your personal lives. Um, I'm interested in knowing why you even got into the human rights field and why you were interested in coming to CSW in the first place. So I got involved with human rights. It's kind of, it's weird to say it like this, but a lifelong, lifelong journey. Uh, I've always been a huge fan of history. Um, in at eight years old, I was very obsessed with the Second World War and learning all about it. I would read about different time periods and histories, and what always grabbed me was the people who seemed to not have as much of a voice. Um, in my own country, in Canada, we have a huge issue in between the colonial Canadian and our Indigenous people, and that was something that I picked up on when I was very young. and would often talk about and try and understand the vast history of, of how it came to be that we have such a disparity here. Um, in my grade 12 year, I was kind of torn on where I was going to go to school, and uh, our professor, Mary Lee McFedrin, came in and t did a talk about conflict minerals in the DRC and then handed out a flyer for the, what was at the time called Human Rights and Global Studies, which was a three- or four-year major. And I already knew that I wanted to do theater, and I, I came home that day and said I had figured out my other path and decided to apply to the University of Winnipeg. I knew I didn't really want to go away for school, but part of me didn't want to go to the other major university here, which is the University of Manitoba. Um, and so these two programs just seemed to to work very well together in terms of making social justice theater and expressing human rights violations through the art. One of my main things in my degree that I've stuck to is that you can throw a hundred statistics at a person, but if you tell the story of one person, they're way more likely to engage on a topic. And it's proven to be true for me. So that's kind of how I ended up down this rabbit hole that is human rights. Thank you, Michaela. Um, for myself, I'm the first person in my family to go to graduate high school and then go to post-secondary. Um, so it was kind of just a big deal for me to just go into a study of any kind. But then when I was in grade 8, um, that was kind of when I got really into like fighting for human rights and basically equality for people with disabilities, a person's economic standing, um, because we were doing a bike-a-thon and I was, I didn't own a bike. And 
my entire class helped me fundraise the most money to win the bike and I just like realized like you know all these people like helped me out and they came came through and like they, we fundraised for my bike and then for um, children's disabilities and stuff so it's just like very touching to see like everyone come together like that and so I uh, just kind of transcended and then studying the Holocaust like very intensely um, when I was in high school as well as the Middle East um, which I focus a lot on now learning about the program when I was at the University of Winnipeg uh, High School um, and then just ending up in it. Now I, I just want to apply what I'm studying into becoming a police officer and then being able to use that like what I know in, like actually in the field and not just by sitting in an office and saying I'm doing something but but it was kind of a weird path to get here so. <laughs> Thank you Madison. I think we all have kind of weird paths. <laughs> David, what is your uh, strange path towards human rights? <laughs> what David's the most straightforward? Um, my whole family have uh, been going through a human rights process, but they, they probably didn't know that, you know, the things that were participated in, they were participated in um, back in Liberia and Ghana and Nigeria were all um, human rights advocates and human rights activism. So I think it was just something that I've been around, mm -hmm. and also, like, I feel like human rights is something we all share. Human rights shapes our thinking and action, and because there are many, many, many human rights issues that we don't know about, and there's still a whole lot to learn. So just being around the environment around me, I have, I've always been surrounded with by people who were fighting for uh, many things in their life. It was either trying to um, get, trying to cross the border to get to another country by trying to escape um, a conflict, or trying hard to fight for the right to have clean water and, and education at a refugee camp, uh, because, they, because, because the United Nations that refugee decided not to provide assistance anymore. So, but of course I didn't experience it firsthand, but I, I, mean, I know uh, many things, uh, family members who went through that before having the opportunity and were fortunate enough to come to Canada and the United States. Um, but they would all explain all this story to me, but they don't, they never use the word human rights until I did to them. Um, you guys were actually participating in human rights activism and you were participating and you were fighting for your human rights. So I, and also I think it was 2010 when I was online looking after moving back to Montreal, I was looking to uh, go to school here, and I was looking online, trying to find courses. The Global College was the first thing I saw, and I just had read a little bit on there. It just hit me right there, and my first class was our local to global class with Mary Lou, and I think she just sold me on it right there, and I decided to stay with the program. But before that, um, I went from for philosophy to, uh, to sociology, and I couldn't find anything fitting, but um, just I think just meeting Mary Lou and the way she introduced the class the first day, I fell in love with it. I, and as she would say, I found the sweet spot um, <laughs> in local to global. Yeah. That first time, so yeah, that's... That's that's great. Those are really inspirational stories, and I think we all have kind of the, those little moments where we recognize that that's where we want to be and that's where we should be, because otherwise, uh, we can't continue if we can't appreciate the positives out of all of the negatives, especially when we fight for human rights, which are very often violated more than we would hope, obviously.
but we don't give up the fight. Um, now, just for our last uh, little uh, commentary over here, um, I'm just interested in knowing what your experience was directly with the uh, GNWP panels that were going on last week. So we had a panel on Tuesday morning about repression on civil society. We had another one on the use of media and the implementation of the Sustainable Development Goals on Tuesday in the afternoon. And then we had a third one on the Thursday um, about the implementation of youth uh, sustainability and peace. Uh, what for, for first, what did you do during those panels, uh, if you volunteered or if you just simply attended? And what were your impressions? How did you feel about those panels? I'm pretty sure I volunteered at all the GMWP panels mostly as a photographer, uh, but also as a rapporteur for the Involvement in Media uh, panel, which I was super thankful to have gone to. I had another panel happening at the same time that I ended up being able to show up late to, but I was so thankful specifically for going to the media one because it was touching on a subject that I think that we often ignore and how we can involve media and how media shapes um, these high-level policies that we have on a grassroots level, um, but also just in terms of uh, the exclusion of CSOs. That panel was also incredibly interesting to hear from multiple different perspectives of their own experience working within their countries and how much danger some of these people had to go through to be able to share that story alone was absolutely incredible. Um, and then also at the youth panel. That was kind of the panel where, again, GNWP has been nothing but lovely, but that was the panel where it seemed that there was more of a checklist to the panel. Uh, they did have a panelist who was in over Skype, and just because of the difficulties of technology made it difficult to stay on the line with her, but it would have been great if, therefore, there could have been another youth representative in the room for that plain fact that there was only one youth speaking mm -hmm. without her. But actually with that panel, I think the biggest problem was that she couldn't get a visa and therefore she couldn't come in. And that's another problem that we often have, and Absolutely. I can speak on that behalf of GNWP, we often have visa problems and it makes it really hard to get our people in. Like last year at CSW on the 59th session, we tried to get in a girl ambassador from the DRC and we couldn't get her in because she wasn't old enough and then they wouldn't want to grant her a visa. And that diminishes sometimes the impact that these talks have because you don't have a first-hand account. So we fortunately got her trainer to come in for the um, presentation, but it doesn't have the same effect. So I completely understand what you're saying about having more youth and having the, the access and giving them access to youth. Yeah. Well, I, I only attended the one um, with IPI. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I, I arrived pretty late, but I, I, my conversation with Yus Yusuf. Oh, um, the IPI, IPI um, you know, advisor, yeah. Okay. Uh, we talked, and I said, um, indeed, in, you know, one thing you guys could do, and learning from the mistake uh, with the VPS, is that you can ignore the the security session um, section of it, and you could work on youth and peace instead, and, and peace building and participation and prevention. You could, and we used the, the examples of um, of youth leaving the UK, France, to go back and join 
ISIS to fight in the fight um, in the Middle East and I said well then in this case you could look at um, what are the root causes for them leaving um, the countries they're in it could be because they're isolated they're not given the space to participate and they are more, the most marginalized group because they're immigrants mm -hmm. which is why so you need to um, I think government needs, needs to invest more into um, getting this youth involved within um, within the adopted country, which in this case will be France or the UK or Canada, getting them involved rather than isolating them out and, and you know, pretty much isolating the whole community because they, they, when it um, when, when that happens, they don't have a sense of belonging and they don't have a sense of, uh, of direction where they want to go. Mm -hmm. So by getting them involved, by investing money into curriculums, that will help them um, come out of their community and bringing them out into the glorious light. And he did exactly that because I and I because I told him like you know just ignore the security part of this just focus on youth and peace because we don't want to put too much emphasis on security because sometimes security is misinterpreted and misunderstood by many countries based on the situation. But if you say youth and peace, that could peace could include participation and prevention mm -hmm. and protection of youth. Yeah. That's very true. Thank you so much, David. Maddie, what did you take out of the uh, GNWP events that we attended last week? Uh, well, due to my flights, I wasn't able to make it into the first two events. But the uh, the last one with IPI was uh, very interesting. And I, I, in agreement with Michaela, there was only the one young person via Skype, but then there was also <gasps> Solvi um, from UNOY, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's uh, very well-spoken and uh, was definitely wanting to have more young people in the room, but it was again one of those events that you kind of had to hear about in order to get to. But it was interesting to hear his perspective and like, because he works um, in Europe uh, and how he's getting young people involved. Um, I know that there needs to be more work done, but... Just understanding of the importance of having youth yeah. involved and actually present and not just yeah. having them as a second thought. This is probably the closing of our podcast. Um, I want to thank you personally very much for attending. Uh, are there any last things you'd like to add? I think the two biggest things that I took out of it, just to kind of summarize the entire point of my discussion, was we need to have bigger spaces so that more people can be involved in the conversation. And I know that's a difficulty but something that we can strive to. Um, one thing that I said in a conversation with someone was that we reach for the unachievable, but through practical steps. And I think that that's something that CSW can apply to its just functional spacing, as well as making sure that it's nothing about us without us. So making sure that no matter what issue we're talking about, we're engaging with the people that are affected by it because we don't know what that group needs if we are not a part of that group. Thank you so much. Anything else? Perfect. Thank you so much for being here.